In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, there's a lot happening today, and it's beautiful. You might not know this, but today marks the Annunciation. That is the day when God sent the angel Gabriel to announce to the Virgin Mary that she would conceive and bear a child, and this child will be called Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And even more, as you already know, today is also Palm Sunday, the day we remember when Christ entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey while the crowds praised Christ and threw palm leaves at his feet. What's more is that today is also the day when God has called Riley to be his own, when he washed away her sin and marked her as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. And in all of these events, the announcement of Christ's birth, Palm Sunday, and Riley's baptism, the word of God is being fulfilled. Behold, your king is coming to you. When Christ comes to us, he comes to be our judge. And for those who rejoice in his appearing and who embrace him with faith, he is accomplishing our salvation. Think about it. God only saves Riley if she were baptized. Scripture says those who believe and are baptized will be saved, and baptism now saves you. And Riley could not be baptized unless Jesus went to Jerusalem in order to die. Because Scripture also says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. And Jesus could not die unless he was born. Scripture says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law. And what is true for Riley is true for all of you who have been baptized into his holy name. So in all of these things, Christ comes to us, and he comes to redeem us. But the question is, why does God do this? Why did he come to save us? And why did he come to us? He comes to us because we cannot go to him. He saves us because we cannot save ourselves. Psalm 51 teaches that we were not only born in sin, but we were conceived in iniquity. This means that that since the moment of conception, we were sinful. And that there was never a time when we weren't. And the wages of this sin is death. Even when we had thought when we had the most life in us, when we were the youngest and, and, and the freshest in this world, we thought we had the most life in us, that, that death was far away. The truth is that we only had death in us. We have to understand that this death is not only physical but spiritual. The wages of sin is death for sure. And this means that we will all die one day and there's nothing any of us can do about it. And in the grave and in the casket you see the consequence of sin. You see sin played out and the action and the result of sin. But more than this, what this text means is that we were born dead, spiritually dead. This means that we were born without faith, without the fear of God. We were born not loving Him, but hating Him, not believing in Him, but doubting Him. Ephesians 2 says that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Though it might look like we have life on the outside, Without faith, we were dead on the inside. Believe it or not, physical and temporal death is not the worst part. Sin, the sin we inherited at birth and the sin we've added since, has earned us the just reward of condemnation. The condemnation is God's wrath and anger towards us. It's eternal damnation. And it's no joking matter. Hell is a real place where real people go. 
It's a place where people suffer for all their sins, hatred, unbelief, disobedience, and pride. The question isn't how to go there because we were born in sin and we all start there by default. There's no one who doesn't deserve to go there. What's hard to understand is not how one goes to hell, but how one gets to heaven. It's not shocking that anyone is condemned. What's shocking is that anyone is saved. And how are you saved? How do you get to heaven? How do you enter the gates of righteousness? How do you, how do those who are conceived and born in sin get to enter into heaven where there is only pure righteousness and holiness before the face of God and where all sin and death and and all wrong things are cast out before his face? How many good works do you need to get in there? And the answer is all of them. You need all good works. Every good work and only good works. You need a perfect body, a perfect soul, a perfect mind. You need a clean heart. You need to have no evil thoughts or no wicked desire ever pass your heart or your mind. You need to love your neighbor more than yourself. You need to love God above all things. And if you cannot do this, then the doors of heaven are shut to you. And yet, who here has done this? Who in history has accomplished this perfection? Who here has no regret? Who here will never face death or the wages of their sin? Scripture says, For all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All except one. That is Jesus. Jesus is the one who has not fallen short of the glory of God. Rather, he revealed that glory. He is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. In Christ there is no deceit. In his heart there is no ill will or wicked desire or any malice. He is the one who has accomplished every good work, every good thought, word, and desire. He is the one whose heart and only, uh, the, the, the one uh, only on this earth whose heart was clean and pure. And he is the one who loved his neighbors more than himself. Yes, even his enemies more than himself. And he is the one who came to this earth, went to Jerusalem. And today he comes for you. As Christ entered the gates of Jerusalem, he did so to become the gates of righteousness. Psalm 118 says, Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. And this is what the crowds were shouting. Knowing that no one in this world could ever get to heaven, Christ brought heaven to this earth. He did this in his flesh, in his passion, in his death. Christ went to Jerusalem, as you sang, in lowly pomp, to die. He went to die so that we might live. Christ set his face toward Jerusalem, toward his cross, as he bore the sins of this world, as he bore all of the sins in your heart, all of the sins in your flesh and mind and soul. All of these things he took upon himself. And he willingly laid down his life for those who despised him. Although he carried the cross we deserved, he made it his own. And as he was bound hand and foot to that cross, that's when the lock on heaven's door was opened. And when the nails dug into his hands and into his feet to open up his flesh, that's when the doors of heaven flung open for you. 
And when the spear plunged into his side and pierced his heart, that's when the gates of righteousness burst open. When he opened his mouth to shout out his agony, that's when our lips could be open to declare his praise. Jesus is the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven, because he is the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the only way because he has obeyed the law perfectly. He was the substitute and the representative of this entire human race. He went to the cross as your substitute, as your representative. He literally earned eternal life for everyone by doing what the law required us all to do. And he is the way because he suffered for the world. And so you might say, yeah, but that was 2,000 years ago. Where are we going to find this door to heaven now? And where is the gate of righteousness today? Well, Jesus made sure that this gate would never be far from you. He made sure that the gates of heaven would be no more than a few feet away from you every single Sunday. Here in his church, here at his altar, here in his word, and here at his font. And here, dear saints, is the gate of righteousness. Where Christ is, there heaven is also. And he is here in baptism as he promised when he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is here in the Lord's Supper as he says, this is my body which is given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And he is here in his word that he says, behold, I come to you. So today, dear saints, rejoice that your king has come to you. Rejoice that you saw your dear Lord descend from his throne from above and come to us here today. Rejoice that you saw him take Riley into his hands, wash away all of, her, all, all of her sins, and prepare a place for her in heaven. You saw, with, you saw God number her with his saints, with those who trust in the wounds of their dear Lord. In this baptism, in this word, and at this altar, you see your dear Lord come to you, and he opens the gates of righteousness for you. Behold, your king comes to you. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.